Hi, I'm Pete, and welcome to the first episode of EdTech Creatives. So it's a really exciting day today because I'm on my way to The Bet Show. Um, so the, for those of you who don't know what The Bet Show is, it's held at uh, the Excel Conference Centre in London, which is massive. And there are about 15,000, 20,000 people in attendance. And it's really a way for the education technology, the EdTech um, industry to um, sell stuff um, and of course what I do is walk around and speak to people and maybe even annoy people at times by saying things like what's the evidence that this works and have you worked with teachers and what's been the feedback so far and how will this help kids learn and so on so wish me luck okay I'm about to go in I'm about to go into the vet show um, there's plenty of people milling about as you can imagine um, there will be about 15,000 or 20,000 later on. Um, so um, wish me luck. Um, it's a crazy thing. Before I go in, there's a few things that you might want to know if you haven't been before. So a few tips. So tip number one is uh, make sure that you don't wear clothes that are really warm. So wear a warm coat for the outside, but not for the inside. Number two, don't have a heavy bag with you because that makes you even more sweaty. Tip number three stay hydrated because it's not easy to be hydrated at the Betcho. Everything's for sale and everything's expensive. So uh, bear that in mind. Uh, tip number four is perhaps the most important one. And I would say, oh, there goes the plane. Um, I would say have meaningful conversations with people about education. Um, if people are trying to sell you something and prove that um, this tech works, be very suspicious of them because teachers work good education work so try to look at things through that kind of lens right i'm going in okay i'm waiting in the speaker and vip registration queue at the moment and i'm having an attack of imposter syndrome because of course i'm thinking who are these people who are vips i'm not a vip um i somehow managed to wangle a vip pass but let's see if it works um i won't maintain eye contact for too long Wish me luck. Well, that went well. They didn't suspect a thing. They didn't suspect that I didn't feel as though I belonged in the VIP queue. Um, just proves that it's all in your head. So I'm just walking through the, the main concourse here. And um, of course, many, many people are milling about from all over the world. And it's really, really exciting. Um, everything's for sale. <laughs> there's a Costa, there's a... Um, a potato factory it's not a real potato factory it's a place called the potato factory um, as opposed to a place where potatoes are made um, and a uh, what's it called orzo's deli um, everything to eat and it's it's lovely it really is um, it's so exciting so I'm, I'm on my way to the VIP lounge and then I'll start uh, having some nice conversations with people uh, about education and um, I'll fill you in when I get into the main hall Okay, so looking down the uh, boulevard, as it's called. Um, sorry, just, I've just kicked somebody's suitcase. Um, there's a learning tech zone, and um, less appealingly for me, an equipment and hardware zone. So um, it's obvious, I'm gonna jump right into the learning tech zone. Woohoo! Hi, I'm uh, Izzy Barnes, I'm the development director for Consequential Robotics, and this is our product, Miro E. So we're standing in uh, the EdTech zone, uh, aren't we? Not the EdTech zone. <laughs> the learning zone. The, the learning zone, of course. And there's these little 
robots that are dogs, of course, and they, they move. So um, I assume they go into a classroom with primary school children, don't they? Primary school age children? Yeah, it's primary school all the way through up to research PhDs, um, and we've got trials in hospitals and care homes. So actually, all the way through to, you know, 99. <laughs> Good. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I mean, one of the annoying questions that I'll be asking just about everybody today is um, why? So, what's um, so? For example, if you're doing a PhD, uh, if you're in a hospital or something like that, um, how do you benefit from these? Lo- they're lovely dogs, by the way. I love them. <laughs> um, well, the aim originally was to make robotics and robotics platforms a bit more emotionally engaging. So, they look quite charming and almost deceptively charming, and that's almost the point. We don't hide the fact that they're robots, but it's to um, reduce people's uh, reticence and um, resilience to robots. Thank you so much. What's your name, by the way? Izzy Barnes. Izzy. Thanks, Izzy. (laughs) Okay, I'm deep in the learning zone. And there's a mishmash of uh, tech giants, of course, the likes of Samsung with these really big um, display boards um, that you can uh, swipe on. Um, and then there's a variety of things like um, SEND stuff, so Dyscalculia, supporting learners with severe math difficulties, um, and uh, companies like Assembler, make education fun and meaningful again in AR. So uh, I'll be looking for a few examples of augmented reality um, today, I hope. Um, and uh, Cogmation Robotics, so ro- robotics is really big, and the first interview that you heard before uh, was from somebody who is combining robotics with well-being and coding and so on. Um, okay. I'm with Kira from Immersive Classroom, and I'm in some what feels like a chill-out room, and is uh, a sort of small room with lots of uh, immersive video content. At the moment, it's dinosaurs coming at me, which is actually quite scary. Uh, but Kira knows a lot more about this than me. It's nice to be here, though. Nice to meet you. Um, so yeah, we're part of Immersive Classroom at the moment. Uh, we work on putting immersive spaces into primary schools uh, where children can go and basically sort of be in a VR space, but it's a full class experience. Um, it's projectors onto four walls, completely immersive, class, uh, immersive content, can use VR content, so stuff from YouTube, stock content, and then we also create custom content and we can run that. It can be tailored to the class curriculum and uh, completely up to the teachers and we work with the teachers to create the content and stuff like that, yeah. Thank you very much. I'm a little bit distracted because I've dropped my glasses, but that, <laughs> that was really great. I'm also distracted by the fact that I've, I've gone from a world of dinosaurs to uh, a kind of a frozen uh, Arctic kind of landscape. Uh, is that Arctic? No, it's not really Arctic, is it? Um, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's beautiful. It really is. Croatia, right, but very snowy at the same time. Right, thank you so much, Kira. Hello, I'm still in uh, the education zone and um, still surrounded by um, things like shape robotics. Um, so robotics appears to be a major theme in EdTech at the moment and presumably that will help people learn and achieve better in the future and develop skills that are appropriate for the modern workplace. Uh, AR is uh, another major theme at the moment so I'm right in front of um, Eduardo uh, Augment Your Educational Reality Um, and there's also a Chinese interactive digital book uh, where um, dinosaurs appear and things like that and um, presumably that helps people learn 
uh, as well. Um, and um, of course, there's quite a lot of uh, sort of assessment tools here as well, which are, appear to be very well resourced. Um, it is extremely expensive to have a, a major standard bet. I won't uh, get into trouble by, um, by actually telling you exactly how much it costs, but I do know it's a lot of money. Um, and um, so the people with the large stands will have paid several thousand pounds uh, to be here. So will they get a return on their investment? Um, they would like to think so. Okay, um, so before I move away from BBC Bite Size, um, I shall move on. And it's nearly time for a coffee, I would say. Hello, I'm with Alberta from Perlego. Did I pronounce that correctly? Fantastic. And uh, Perlego is, um, it's, it's really nice to understand. It's, it's basically Spotify for books. And I'll let uh, Alberta uh, take over. Yes, so we're the Spotify for textbooks. This means that we have an online educational platform that works through a subscription model. So with a single subscription, uh, users have unlimited access to all the content on a platform, which is about 250,000 different academic and professional books. And with the subscription, users have no uh, limits, can open as many books as they want, can explore, can read as much as they want. Um, yeah, that's Good. me. So uh, I remember with with music, sometimes some some record companies weren't signing up to Spotify, were they? So uh, have most of the publishers actually given this the the all clear? They they say it's okay. Yeah, of course it was uh, it was very hard at the beginning to convince publishers to agree with our model, but now we have made agreements with about two thousand different publishers. We have the major ones such as Pearson, Wiley, Harvard Business Review. So now they are trying to they're they're finally understanding the power of the subscription model. Of course, and it's it's I'd imagine you're thinking that people are going to use their phones first. They're not going to be uh, sort of going onto a PC and stuff like that, or onto a laptop. It's 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 for reading on the bus and on the train and everything else. Um, and um, and obviously you think, well, do people really want that? You know, because do people always want to read books on their phones? I know obviously people are very much attached to their phones, but but they're still quite small, aren't they? Yeah, that's true. That's why we're making the online learning experience uh, as similar as possible on reading on a printed book. So we have introduced tools such as the possibility to make highlights, to customize the font size, the font type, to make it accessible to everyone, to share reading lists with your friends. So we want to engage users as much as possible uh, and make sure that they uh, can find the online experience very powerful and, ex and effective. Customizable is key. Thanks a lot for that. Well, thank you, Alberta. Enjoy the rest of your time here. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm here with uh, Thomas Anderson, um, who's uh, from Gothenburg, or north of Gothenburg, uh, and he's from Story Duel um, and Story Wars uh, for kids. Story Wars has nothing to do with Robot Wars, which some people might remember from, from the TV. But uh, he's going to talk us through these collaborative um, storytelling um, platforms. Yeah, hello. Um, my name is Thomas Anderson, as you heard, and um, the company name is Story Wars. We have uh, three tools uh, in Story Wars. It is Story Wars, the original platform. It is Story Duel for Classroom. And it is Story Wars Kids for parents and kids. The whole idea around it is that um, as a user, you can start to write the story or you can uh, choose to write a draft for an already existing story. If you start to write the story, you um, create a, a name for it and uh, add a cover, and uh, you write the first chapter. 
then you release it to uh, the community or uh, the classroom. And the rest of the users can use, uh, if they like it, they can, use to, uh, they can uh, start uh, to write a draft for it. And as soon as there is two drafts, uh, it started to count down. And when um, it counts down, it will go into voting. So the whole community can vote for what draft should be the next chapter for the story. And uh, it goes on like this. So it, it's, that, that's brilliant. Thank you. So there's a great deal of peer assessment going on. They're assessing each other. Um, they're collaborating. You know, of course, we used to call that cheating when, when, we, yeah. when we were kids, but, uh, but now it's, it, it, it is, there's evidence that it does actually work. And um, the story dual thing is competitive too, isn't it? So um, talk us through why, why, why that's a good idea, that, that, that kids being competitive with each other, against each other, um, is, is a good thing. Yeah, I, I, the main thing is, is more like you should learn what, what works and not. Um, when you do this uh, competition, what, what uh, draft should win over another, uh, it's more like you have to start right better. You have to learn the language better. Mm. Uh, and uh, so when, when you start to um, learn this and you see your votes started to win and you grow and uh, in this way we have seen uh, the users from Star Wars that they have grown very much in writing and language so um, uh, good. yeah well thank you so much um, and good luck and, and I hope you survive the next couple of days <laughs> so thanks for your time okay I'm with Jonathan Sullivan from Britannica Digital Learning um, and he's going to talk you through a really interesting platform that they've got uh, for teaching and learning yeah, absolutely. So we're excited to, uh, to launch at Beta Botanica Launch Packs. Uh, so this is building on our 250 years of history of content that we have uh, that we're able to use within the education sector. And we've uh, worked really closely with the Charlins uh, Multi Academy Trust and Sir Mark Grundy uh, to develop uh, lesson plans covering Key Stage 4 initially for history and geography. And we focus on these to begin with because often we're finding that uh, it's more than not, it's humanities teachers mm. that are often having to, to teach subjects that aren't their speciality. Yep. And there's a lot of challenges associated with that. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're looking to meet those by creating these ready-made lesson plans that they can access, uh, that takes, takes advantage of all mm. of the content we provide at Botanica mm -hmm. and gives the teachers more time to spend engaged with the students, giving them the tools uh, to teach their students and get their students more digital literate yeah. um, with some of the content that we're, we're able to provide. Yeah, so um, we talked about this be before we started recording, uh, didn't we, Jonathan? So it's, it's that sort of departure from that sort of tired old digital natives debate, isn't it? It's that assumption that because kids are kids, because they're young, they know how to use technology, right? Yeah, and there's this expectation that kids nowadays are digital literate. You know, they're just able to pick everything up and, and, and they're fine with that. And, and while they know how to use iPads and games and they, they are comfortable using the internet, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're, they're ready for going through their academic life in terms of using some of the resources yeah. that are now available to them. And exactly the same goes for teachers. You know, yeah. There's this expectation on teachers. All of this, particularly at BET, you see all of this new tech, all of this new software that can enhance a learning experience, but it's the poor old teacher that has to suddenly find the ways of, of utilizing this mm. in the best way in the classroom. Yeah, I mean, just coming at it from the teacher's point of view, one, one thing that I find is that um, there may be training laid on 
but that's that's rarely sustained. And it's really about sort of mindset as well, that sort of growth mindset, if you like, that, uh, that teachers need, uh, that sort of nimbleness that they need to develop those skills, that they can, they can use these technologies and embrace them and make them work for them. Um, that's, I think, still lacking uh, considerably. Yeah, it, it is, absolutely. And one of the things that we've really focused on is making this easy for the teacher. That you know, What we didn't want to do is, is, is create stuff that the teacher's going to have to go around and, and look for. And we also wanted to recognise the fact that teachers, even within one class, will have very, uh, maybe have different levels of students' learning ability mm. that they're going to have to cater for. And often in the past, it's evolved teachers having to look for different learning resources for a particular topic area mm. to make sure that they're, they're covering the different learners' needs within that particular class. And that's a laborious task for teachers. Yeah. Within the Britannica launch packs, um, what we have is we have the ability to, dif to differentiate. So there's different learning and reading levels within, within a launch pack. Mm. And so again, a teacher's got all of those needs catered for. So they know that when they go into this lesson, uh, they've got the resource that are available in terms of the extracurricular information that they can use to engage with the students. Mm. And the content there can cater for all different uh, learning levels, again, learning abilities, and we have tools built within the software. So if a student, for example, is struggling to, to, to read some of the content, they can either drop it down a level, and they can do this themselves, you know, they're not having to ask, they're not bringing attention to themselves with their peers. They can, they can read at a different learning level, whether that's slightly lower or slightly higher, depending on their ability. And again, there's things such as, again, if you're dyslexic and you're struggling to read a, a particular passage, uh, we will, it, you can highlight that and we'll read it out for you. Mm. So again, they can read and listen at the same time. Right. And it's these tools that are built into it that make life easier, again, for, for the learner and get them more comfortable. The more comfortable they are, the more they're going to embrace what they're learning uh, and, and, and look to engage with it. And again, from the teacher point of view, they know they're catering for all of those, all of those abilities, particularly when it comes to uh, any future Ofsted inspections. Mm. Well, that, that's, that's brilliant. So thank you so much, Jonathan. So um, I won't bore the listener with um, the actual, how the platform works. I mean, that's, I think it's more of a visual thing, but uh, I'll have a quick look at that um, in a moment. And um, thank you, Jonathan. I, I trusted everything that you said for many reasons. But one of them is because you're wearing a white coat, um, <laughs> which is which is Dr. Dr. Sullivan for, Dr. This, uh, Dr. for, Sullivan. for bet this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So thank you so much. Thank Okay, I'm deep in the education zone now, and I'll just tell you what I can see. Um, there's a group of very cute kids who've been taken, I assume, by a school. There's lots of uh, very techy-looking people, lots of sort of PR-y-looking people, lots of very lost people. Maybe I looked like that as well. Um, and if you look at the displays, there are a few uh, words that uh, leap out at you. That I've seen on several occasions at BET, uh, the word empower is there quite a lot. So unity empower the creators of tomorrow with educational resources um, on demand is another one letting the user if you like take control so GCSE pod is education on demand and they have a very big and very expensive um, display there of course um, mind view uh, for intelligent meetings and mind mapping uh, binary logic computing and ICT so um, hmm, what's that got to do with learning well that's to do with um, I suppose textbooks, really. Um, so, uh, yeah, ebooks uh, on coding and robotics, for example. Um, BBC Learning have a huge uh, stand, uh, which I may avoid uh, for now. Uh, and uh, again, lots of stuff on robotics, robotics that's, which is very photo friendly, of course. Um, so, the uh, cute kids, the party of cute kids, are surrounding the robotics, of course, they are. Um, and what I'm thinking at the moment is um, 
I need some coffee, for goodness sake. Honestly, I'm walking around smelling coffee and it's time for my break so I can tweet a few things and um, just really get my bearings a little bit more and think about what I'm going to get out of um, the rest of the morning. Um, so before I do, um, I will have a quick look at uh, Crick software, so reading and writing software for all abilities. Um, so that's really for sort of uh, obviously uh, basic levels. Uh, ah, I've spotted the VIP lounge. Yay, let's cash in on my VIP status. Uh, and in the, in the VIP lounge, uh, mm, it's being uh, policed by uh, some people who will check my pass as I walk in, but it looks very relaxed. People are sitting and chilling, and is there coffee laid on? The better I'd be. Oh yes, I think there's coffee there as well. So I'm going in, speak to you later. Hello, I'm, I'm here with uh, Marcena, uh, who is from Poland, from uh, a company called uh, Apidea. Apidea, and um, one of the things that interested me about Apidea was my experience of uh, these sort of very ambitious ideas that schools have of using technology, but the reality is that it doesn't work. The system doesn't work, the internet doesn't work, so everything falls apart. And Apidea have um, a few strategies to help schools with that. Um, for example, um, if the internet doesn't work, um, or if they don't have a digital strategy. Yeah. Hi Pete, it's nice. To, it's it's nice to meet you. And uh, one of the one of the things that uh, we help our our clients, our customers, uh, considering, for example, uh, integrating it into a whole working system, is starting with digital strategy. Uh, just setting it up uh, consistently, just to work with different tools, different devices, and to program it into one working and workflow that works uh, for the management, for the teachers, for the students, uh, and to, just to integrate different devices. So we can help with starting with strategy and uh, strate strategical uh, attitude, considering um, uh, all the things that uh, now institutions or schools are, are facing, to be honest. Considering uh, the, for example, low quality internet or lack of connection, uh, we, we can help with developing an offline system so the, where the content is stored and the database and it, it, it can be downloaded and uh, uh, it can be uh, just uh, reached even if you're not connected to the internet. So, so, you, so you start by asking the schools what their problems are? With, in terms of you know connectivity and yeah we start with discovery sessions uh, and we uh, talk a lot we uh, we engage our uh, advisors our experts considering different problems uh, for example uh, with the strategy with the integration to help just get the new tech and ad tech work on uh, in, in schools and in institutions. Same as we did, for example, with our uh, with the educational platform that we created for one of the biggest uh, publishing houses in Poland. And yeah, this right. is it. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to take a break and uh, take some photos because there's some really good video content on your display board there. So thank you, Mozina. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, so I've survived uh, three hours at Beth so far. Uh, I've taken it easy, I've had some nice conversations, I've chilled out, and it's time uh, for me to find out whether the promise of a free lunch in the VIP area is actually going to happen. Um, I think it might do. Um, and again, my earlier attack of imposter syndrome has now dissipated. So 
I'm now swaggering into the VIP area and demanding, where's my free lunch? Where's my skinny latte? Um, so let's see, let's see where that takes me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So I'm with Ryan uh, and uh, Siret. Uh, Siret is from Estonia, and uh, we're in the VIP area. Get us. And um, we've just enjoyed some uh, lovely uh, charcoal chicken sandwiches. So goodbye to uh, veganuary, I'm afraid. Um, but they were nice, though, weren't they? Um, and uh, we've had a really good chat about education. And um, so we, we talk, so Ryan, for example, you were talking about uh, the realities of trying to train teachers. Yeah. For example, so you, you spent money on all this kit. <laughs> and uh, so how do you get involved in training teachers? I suppose it came through a realisation that, you know, actually finding and buying the kit is probably not even half of the battle, really. Uh, you know, in some ways, that's the easy thing. You know, there's a lot of stuff here at bed that's really interesting. And you look at it, you think, oh, it looks, looks great. I mean, it's difficult to, to ascertain this actual value. You know, yeah. if you spend all the money, are you getting £20,000 worth of value added to your school? Are these students, you know, better off? Is, you know, are they smarter? Have they experienced a broader sense of, you know, learning? You know, what exactly is it that you're buying? I guess... Yeah, that idea of a return on investment is um, absurd in a way, isn't it, with, with, yeah. with EdTech? I think it is, but I think, it'll, I think you probably tr should try to measure what isn't really measurable yeah. uh, I think there's value in in the uh, in the effort um, you know because I think I th you know because I think one of the things that it's led me to do is to really look at what we buy and then make sure and I think this is where the the other kind of 50% of the effort should go you know in finding the right thing but then helping people actually use it in the right way because yeah. uh, you can buy all the toys and wonderful things in the world but if your staff aren't using it uh, it's worth nothing it's added nothing to their lives nothing to the students life and in fact the worst thing it, I've seen in some schools is you then force people to use a product that they don't understand and they don't think is actually making their teaching better yeah. you know I think that you're you're on the road to nowhere there, I think. Yeah. So, so that breed of teacher who you know, does things a certain way and is very successful at doing what they do, but they do it without technology and they're hostile to technology. And then all of a sudden they have, they have to, you know, they feel forced to embrace the, this new tech wholeheartedly. And uh, so that, that's a tough gig for you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's never an easy answer to that one. I think, uh, I think often, um, I actually think their point of view is, is is often a very valid one actually and I think if you can't answer those questions like uh, in an honest way then maybe you're trying to sell the wrong thing yeah exactly. you know um, maybe you aren't adding value to that teacher sometimes they can't see the value that is there they're just kind of a little bit stubborn and then that's a lot harder isn't it or you're trying to sell the wrong idea not just the, the wrong tech yeah then you kind of have to sometimes work backwards a little bit and try and show them where there is value. Yeah. And uh, and that's not so much a sales pitch, that's more of a, you know, you have to sit alongside them. Yeah. You know, that takes time. Yeah. And it, it's good that you're actually given that time, that, yeah. what I'm assuming. Uh, what about the Estonian context? <laughs> so tell us, uh, you know, why are you here and what are you hoping to get from Bet apart from charcoal bread? So this is our tradition to come here every year. So we are looking for new technologies and new ideas and new visions. And also, you know, it's great to talk to people with the same areas. 
and uh, the main point is right now to look at uh, the new furniture ideas because we are planning to building a new school uh, and then we want to more like this open classrooms and also the technology but uh, I am agree of, uh, with Ryan yeah that uh, we don't want to buy anything uh, what uh, teachers do not use because we don't want to waste time and example when we buy a 3D printer and no one is going to use it then of course we don't want to uh, do it. So we have to figure it out what and when and yeah, so, so it, I mean, it's that idea that um, very often so much money is, is spent on new technology, but the classrooms themselves look like something from 100 years ago, 150 years ago. So, you know, the Victorian era in, in Britain. Um, so, in a way, you're, you're hoping to change that? Uh, no, because in Estonia we have a lot of technology in the classrooms, like robotics is very popular, but uh, it depends... Uh, what kind of school you have. If you are a very innovative school, you have a lot of technology, but uh, it also means that you have like teachers who knows the technology. Yeah. So because if you are more traditional schools, then you can't uh, put the technology in because you don't have uh, no one to use it or teach them uh, to students. So you first have to like train the teachers and, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so before I leave you alone, um, the, uh, one, one tip for bet, I have one tip for bet, and that's um, where layers, because it's really hot. Um, <laughs> Ryan's got a really good tip, and that was to take the cable car, wasn't it, instead of the DLR. Yes. Uh, I must confess, I got on the wrong DLR twice last night um, <laughs> for some uh, stupid reason, which I won't go into. Um, and you, you've got a different uh, tip, maybe, because you, you come from quite a long way. So, be uh, your one tip for how to survive the bet joke? To survive, oh, I know. Take the good uh, bootwear, I think. Yeah. Good shoes. Yes. <laughs> good shoes. Keep hydro. Good shoes. Good shoes are very yeah. important. Good. Well, I'm, what are you wearing today? Uh, yeah, I've, yeah, similar to mine actually. <laughs> no high heels. <laughs> no high heels. <laughs> Forget the high heels. I left mine at home today, so uh, good for you. Well, thank you so much. Um, enjoy. What do you what are you sort of bringing to the table in terms of your experience as a teacher? Why, why should everybody who works in EdTech be an experienced teacher? Um, I think because they know the ins and outs. Um, so I taught for 23 years. I left two years ago. Um, I've now joined Too Simple as an educational um, consultant. Creativity is the heart of what we do. Now I know you may hear that quite a lot because creativity is a buzzword, but when you've taught, you know what it's like to do the marking, the assessment, to deal with the parents, to deal with all the bureaucracy that gets thrown at you. And it's very hard to be creative if your head and your SRT are saying, what about the search results? What about the English? What about the maths? And inside you might be going, well, what about the art? What about the dance? What about the drama? Because actually, when the children have exposure to that and they can be creative, that feeds into their writing. It can feed into their maths. You shouldn't stop the detriment of some subjects for others. And teachers have that experience. We've been there marking books. We've been there parents' evening. I've been on residentials where I'm trying to get children up a mountain. And you've got to be creative throughout your teaching experience. No matter how experienced you are as a teacher, you never stop learning and you shouldn't ever stop learning. Yeah, and I'm looking around at BET, you know, without being sort of cynical about, uh, about BET and some of the stands, but you do see the word you know, creativity and empowerment and all these very sort of rhetorical words used quite a lot, by the, especially by the tech giants. Um, 
but I mean, being for, you know, being an insider, as it were, um, what's your take on on these words like you know, creativity, empowerment, and so on? Um, well, they're great words, but it's how that gets put into practice. And you can say to a teacher, "Our tools help you be creative," but you've got to be able to kind of help them on that journey, and you've got to show them and structure them the same way as you would teaching children. Teachers are no different. If it's a new tool that they never used, they're not going to be creative straight away. They need to go through those steps and understand how, and then use it to suit their own practice. So what works in one school won't work in another school. And it might have worked in one school I taught at, but it needs to be adapted slightly, and that's part of being creative and being able to take things and adapt it to your situation. So yeah, they're great words, but you should be asking, well, how will it affect my practice? How will it affect the learners? Yeah, and that's where education can sometimes be sort of uh, at odds with, with tech because of that one-size-fits-all approach. I mean, that is anathema to us, isn't it, Working with, coming from education, that um, the idea that uh, one-size-fits-all, and sometimes it could be argued that the tech giants see it that way, don't they? Yeah, I mean, what we try and do at Too Simple is we give you lots of different tools, but we also give you the support. So you've got your subject leaders' toolkits, you've got sort of the action plans, the things that you need to tick off for your SLT and to make sure you're doing sort of the job from that point of view, but also enable the kids to be creative. Structure it to some degree, but then let them free. There's the games, the tools, and also they can use it at home so the parents can get involved with being creative as well and seeing what they're producing and work with them. So you've got paint tools, writing tools, coding tools, and we've just launched PE, well-being, secondary products as well. Fantastic. Well, that's, that, well, thank you so much, Dawn. Um, the only thing that uh, I feel bad about now is that I'm going to miss out on the sort of slightly boozy teach meet thing because that was great last year. There was this teach meet in the pub, and uh, people were. It was like a kind of I don't know, it's kind of medieval um, <laughs> riot type thing. People were um, offering these ideas whilst being jeered really loudly uh, by people who've been drinking too much. But I'm going to miss that uh, this time because it's on Friday and it's only Wednesday at the moment. But uh, so thanks again. Thank you very much. Was that right? Amazing. You, you you know, I'm just watching the kind of thing that I tend to avoid at uh, BET, and that's one of those presentations delivered by um, a representative from one of the tech giants, who are usually dressed a little bit like a children's television presenter, or sort of, you know, um, very brightly coloured uh, clothing and very comfy-looking trainers. Um, so um, I'll try and find some more people who are doing things that uh, are more to do with um, meaningful learning. Uh, right, so I'm here with uh, Adam and Claire from Drumba, um, whose slogan is Beat, Burn, Fit, which I love. And uh, they're a husband and wife slash dream team, aren't they? Um, so <laughs> we're having a chat about what they're hoping to get from BET and what they're not hoping to get from BET. So um, you were saying, uh, yeah, this is the first one we've done. So yeah, it's just trial and error. Yeah. We didn't really know who to expect to be here, yeah. um, whether we're targeted right, but okay. so, so you, far so good. Who are you hoping to target them? Well, the UK market ideally, but we found a huge international market okay. and obviously didn't know what to expect. And now we do. And it's a lot of international interest, actually. So now we're learning who we need to you know, focus on and how we need to focus on them and the product range you need to explore and probably deliver next time around even. So what, you know. I mean, just for some helpful advice to the EdTech companies, um, 
who always tell me that there's no money in Britain, of course, you know, the, the Britain is not the market to sell uh, tech. So which, which countries specifically have been, have expressed some kind of interest? Okay, so a lot on the continent, haven't we? Had a lot of Europe, two or three from France have already, already been up. We've and then had Mexico, Argentina, Israel, we've yeah. had a lot. But I, I, I think for us in, the, in our market, which is obviously sports provision, the market's flooded with money, and don't let anyone tell you they're not. The government's pouring money into sports provision in youth organisations. Due to the sugar tax they've been introducing over the last few years, it's all coming back into sports and education. So actually for our sector, there is money out there. It's just getting people to part with it. Promising <laughs> it as well. Absolutely, yeah. We are, we are overwhelmed with, with event days. Our company is hired across the country and we're struggling to keep up for the first time, even with a, ten, a team of 12 and three vehicles out on the road every day. So that for us is, is huge. And, and I'm, I'm finding more and more uh, when schools and, and, and establishments and moreover the people working in these establishments, when they know and understand how to spend their money and they're not fearful of spending the money incorrectly, then it gets spent properly on the right products and the right services. Um, um, for the reasons this money was allocated to education. And, and that's easier said than done, obviously. Uh, so, um, I mean, th this is what we've talked about this with a few other people. I, I have talked about this with a few other people, this idea of a, you know, this sort of model is a return on the investment. So in business, you, you spend money on something and you expect a return on investment. But in education, of course, it's a lot more complex than that. So, um, I mean, what for you would be a good, you know, return on the investment that a school would make in, in what well, you we offer products that means that they invest in the product so they can run it as often as they can, making it more and more affordable. The more they use the product, the more affordable it becomes for them. But um, with our licensing, to, to try and target exactly what you're saying, which is what can they get from this more than just delivering it to pupils, is that we allow in our licensing for them to do fundraising days with it as well, so they can actually raise money for their schools with it. So our license it makes it accessible for them to sell to pet as long as it's all for school funds and it's not for individual profit the license we sell allows them to do school fundraising events with it and all sorts so we do try and think of ways that they themselves can make money from this as well um, in a school environment if our, if our customers were savvy they'd be able to uh, offset the entire cost of the product ultimately yeah ultimately okay. they could do that is that part of your offering then that you sort of offer very much like it to be yeah so in, in, in terms of um, the, this stand, um, I mean, it'd be, you know, are you prepared to tell us how much it cost you? Or yeah, I don't have an exact figure, but I know, I know it's ne nearing the three grand mark, uh, but it was this side of £3,000, yeah, absolutely. So, does that, is that, is the lanyard, is that an upsell as well? Is that on top of that? Um, yeah, there's been no hidden well, or hidden the, extra the cross. There was, there was. If you want power, it's extra. If oh, you yeah, want um, the pin scanners, yeah. extra. Scuffle scanners. No. no. <laughs> quite, quite expensive, aren't they? It? it is for us, for yeah. the size of company we are, and the amount we've all, we've never paid so much to exhibit anywhere. Yeah. So this was a big decision for us to be here. I'll let you know in four days whether it was worth it. Well. Yeah, I mean, is it going to be in four days' time? Because I'm thinking that um, you know, th 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 I'd imagine that as an edtech company, I do to be, you know, deal with a lot of edtech companies, and um, you have to really play the long game, don't you? Which is easier said than done. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you can get uh, lots and lots of interest and inquiries. It's 
what counts is people parting with their money and you're seeing it in your bank account and that is inevitably in schools when you're planning terms or academic years ahead that can take a long time for that to come through for us um, so yeah it will be a long time I, I can do an exhibit and it's not for six months I get a return but what I can confidently say I've never not had a return from an event I've done oh, right. most okay. of the time and I'm very fortunate because of the product we have I've had a very positive uptake really positive uptake um, so yeah doing events like these have, have always been successful I've never lost out I think that's important to say okay. and I want to stress so far so good like the interest and, and the enthusiasm from people at the show has been really welcoming I was sat here at 10 o'clock and I was bricking it to be honest and I had no idea what to expect by half 10 I've got multiple inquiries by half 10 by enthusiastic people yeah that's good. I, mean, I suppose that it's easy for me to say, but that, that three grand looks likely to, you know, serve you well, doesn't it? I think it. Fingers crossed. Yeah, That's yeah. the plan. Yeah. I, I would say, generally, hand on heart, I'm excited to see what comes out of it. I'm already not disappointed to be here, and I'm not even contemplating this being a waste of my time. Yeah. At all. Again, if you, if you think about some other, I mean, it's my third bet, and if you look at some some other tech companies and how they've grown in that time, like Century Tech, for example, the AI company they've grown phenomenally you know their stand is huge but so um you know who knows what might come um can we end with the flourish adam is that okay thank you so much a drum flourish so before we started the interview it gave us wow that was amazing thank you so much